Welcome to the Downhouse podcast, where you can learn more about Downhouse School. In this series, we're focusing on ways the school looks forward to the future and leads the sector. Promoting excellence in teaching and allowing our teachers to collaborate and share expertise is at the beating heart of the school. In this episode, our host, Simon Jones, speaks to our Deputy Head Academic, Mr Hugh Grant, Dr Andrew Atherton, Director of Learning and Research, and pupils Yasmin and Anjola in the Lower Sixth. So I'm really excited to be here for this episode to talk to you all. Looking forward to talking to Yasmin and Anjola in a moment and also to talk to Dr. Atherton in a moment. But first of all, Hugh Grant, uh, you're the incoming deputy head academic. I I understand that you recently joined the school. Um, Let's just get the elephant out of the room. First of all, you were never in four weddings and a funeral, were you? I was not in four weddings and a funeral, although I keep crossing paths with my namesake. He was at my college at university. His cousin was at my school as one of the teachers. He just keeps popping up. I can't escape. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's great to hear. That really is. Okay, just tell us a little bit, first of all, about the fact that you joined, uh, I was going to say recently. In fact, it feels like September wasn't that long ago, but it's a good few months ago now. You joined from another school. You've, you've come from the world of education. Yes, I joined from Tunbridge down in Kent, uh, an all-boys boarding school. So a bit of a change joining Downhouse, an all-girls boarding school. Okay. And tell me what the attraction was, first of all, about Downhouse. I just really liked the fact that the staff knew their students very, very well. There's a very individual, bespoke approach to education here. And as soon as you meet the staff, they talk enthusiastically about the students and how much they care for them. And they talk in such detail about each of them that it's very, very clear that the staff know their students really, really well. Okay, well, that's that's a feeling that I certainly share with you, having spoken to a number of staff and a number of uh, pupils at the school. So tell me what it means then, deputy head academic. Some people might be listening to this thinking, what, what's the difference between deputy head or deputy head academic or deputy head pastoral or something like that? Tell us a little bit more about your role. Well, my role, we're very much looking at what we offer as a school in terms of the curriculum, in terms of timetabled lessons, making sure that the content of those lessons can be as productive and as useful as possible. But it's also looking at the enrichment activities we offer, the cultural environment that we generate so that students really develop a love of learning and then challenge themselves to produce their best results. Awesome. Okay, well, shortly we're going to find out from Yasmin and Anjola whether that love of learning is is making its way through to the pupils. I'm sure it is. But let's jump across to Mr. Atherton or Dr. Atherton, first of all. Andy, how long have you been at the school for? Hey, good afternoon, Simon. So I've been at the school now for nine years. This is my ninth year. Okay. And tell us about your role there. I mean, I, I know that you're Director of Learning and Research. I'm not sure exactly what that means, though. No, quite. So, well, Learning and Research is a reasonably new role in the school. Um, It's been in the school for about two, two and a half years now. And at its heart is thinking about educational research, the theory that underpins teaching and learning, and how that translates into things that happen in the actual classroom. So how it has a tangible impact on student learning and what teachers do in the classroom. Gosh, that sounds intriguing. I'm, I'm, I'm still not super clear on that. Just tell us a little bit more then about about how that actually looks, what, what, what a day might look like for you when you've got that hat on. Yeah, sure. So 
For instance, we have various initiatives that come under that banner. So we have something called the Inquiry, which is our learning and research journal. Um, and that gives colleagues an opportunity to reflect on their practice and to publish articles of interest that they're thinking about in their own teaching. And that becomes an opportunity to disseminate out um, those ideas to colleagues. Um, so that's something that just before I jumped on this podcast, I actually was looking at the latest edition of the Inquiry and putting that together. Um, for our colleagues and that's hopefully going to be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, so that's something that is really exciting to be part of. Um, we also have colleagues undergoing their own action research projects. So this is where colleagues look at an aspect of their practice um, and over the course of an academic year they actually look at the research underpinning an area that they're interested in, uh, make changes to their classroom practice and evaluate whether it's successful or not. Um, similar to that we have a what we call our Learning and Research Council for students as well. So this is where some of our students in the upper four year also have the opportunity to look at something in their learning that they're really interested in um, and then investigate how they could do that particular thing even more effectively. Andy, you mentioned that this is a relatively new role in the school. Mm. Does that reflect the changing times that we're in now? I'm thinking that, largely speaking, the the teaching styles and practices from the 1940s and 1950s, not that any of us in the room were around then, but they were very different to how they are now, aren't certainly weren't they? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I think you're right that it reflects a real appetite within Downhouse to be at the very cutting edge um, of teaching and learning. So, you know, the last kind of five or six years or so have seen a real um, spread of these ideas across the education sector and schools like Downhouse, you know, as, as in everything we do, we're really committed to being at the forefront of that and to really thinking hard about how we can improve the academic life of our pupils by looking at the research, looking at what the evidence says, and then most importantly, looking at how that translates into things that happen in the actual classroom. Um, so I think you're absolutely right, Simon, that it is something that is um, increasingly becoming of importance um, to teachers, to schools, um, but we're certainly at the forefront of that and long may that continue. Well, you mentioned about how that translates into the classroom. So I'm dying to find out now, actually, from Yasmin and Anjola, how that actually looks. So hello, both of you. How are you both doing? Hi, we're Hi, good. Hi, we're good. Thank you. Uh, it's great to talk to you both. And actually, uh, Yasmin, you've been on a podcast before, haven't you? Yes, I have. Tell us which one that was. Just remind us for anyone who's who's listening right now. I think it was about the elective programme, but I think I did that about a year ago. Yeah, and I was just looking about the extracurricular side and um, expanding education and what you can learn outside the classroom at Downhouse. Okay, well, welcome back onto this podcast episode. And next to you, we've got Angela. Angela, you've been on a podcast episode as well. Yes, I have indeed. But ironically, I think it's the exact same one that Yazi has just described, which is the elective program podcast. <laughs> I love this. I love this. So clearly, you're, you're both sat next to each other for this recording as well. And, and I'm guessing that, that you are good friends in the year that you're in there in school. Now, you're both in lower sixth, is that right? Yes, that is right. And, and Jola, what, which A-levels are you doing then? I'm currently studying politics, economics and religious studies after just recently dropping psychology. Okay, and if it was a year ago that we were last talking to you, how did your GCSEs go? I think my GCSEs went brilliantly. 
the staff just truly uplifted me through that final push because the transformation from my predicted grades was absolutely phenomenal like I really don't know what I would have done without my teachers I don't even think it was me I think it was just them I'm so thankful (laughs) (laughs) don't let it be taken away from you Angela I'm sure you had a huge role that you played in that Yasmin tell us which A-levels you're doing then I'm doing English literature, politics, psychology and Russian. Gosh, wow, that's a combination. That really is. Yeah. And tell us about your GCSEs. How did they go? No, I was very pleased uh, with myself and proud of everything that I achieved. Like Angela said, I could definitely see the progress from my mocks and just all the development that um, came along. And I was just, yeah, very pleased with how it it went. Well, that is the whole point of having mocks, isn't it? It's that preparation for the the real thing. Uh, Now, what would you say... Yasmin, what what would you say makes a makes a good teacher? This is a very open kind of question, but I'd love to hear from you. What do you feel makes a good teacher in school? I think a teacher that's able to understand how you best learn, um, and I know that differs for everyone, and also just being able to adapt that in how they teach and how much time they give you. So me personally, I think it takes me longer to process things and understand a topic. So my teachers are very much aware of that. So when it comes to topic tests or, you know, going over topics in class, they it's very rewarding to be able to see how suddenly it will just click and it will um and I'll understand it. And I think my teachers um can see that too. So yeah, I think a teacher is able to understand that as well as very interactive lessons, I think. I think one of the sides that I enjoy in my lessons at Downhouse is that we not only you know, we'll do practice questions and the kind of slideshow side of lessons, but also we'll have more interactive um, lessons such as, well, I know in one of my lessons in psychology, we had to uh, recreate Maslow's hierarchy of needs by forming our own pyramid. Um, and I think that definitely made it stick. I really like that side of it. Tell me about that example, you know, that, that recreation of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> Um, I mean, clearly it makes it quite fun to learn it, but in what ways does it actually help you learn it? I think because it's something different, it's something I wouldn't really expect to be doing in a lesson and sort of the whole process of having to think about oh, how am I going to represent this side of the pyramid or how am I going to, you know, um, how are we going to all for, for make this um, the formation? And so, yeah, I think just the whole process of making it and doing it and then photographing it and then putting it into our one notes yeah really just reminded me and reinforced that when I went back to my notes to revise it no I love that I really do Yasmin thank you for that Angela it's great to hear Yasmin they're talking about interactive lessons first yes. of all before I ask you what make what do you think makes a good teacher can you think of any examples where you've had lessons like that where you've been on the receiving end of learning and it's been a slightly different style of teaching therefore it's made you learn it in a better way I think one lesson that really stood out to me was GCSE chemistry with Mrs. Line. And this wasn't really a safety hazard, but she had like a tennis ball, which was thrown around the classroom, which is primarily used to select people to answer questions. And then we also had a spinning wheel on the ball on the board. And this was just such an interactive feature. Like it was quite odd, but honestly, I think it's just fascinating how she was able to incorporate such an interactive feature in lessons, especially to engage people who find it hard to like engage in class and just like have that urge to raise up their hand. Because I know it's not easy for everyone and everyone has different levels of confidence and ways in which they want to participate in the lesson. And that was just really, really fun to do. 
it's great to hear that that certainly no no, no pupils were harmed in the uh, in no. the passing or throwing <laughs> of a tennis ball. Yes. Um, t- tell me a little bit then about about the A levels that you're doing and about the different styles of teaching that you receive for each of those subjects. So the A levels I'm doing are actually quite similar. So they're all mostly essay based subjects. I would say RS is actually a very discussional subject. Like in my A-level, you would, you would expect me to be writing so many notes and trying to cram as much information as possible. However, what really strikes me in RS is the discussional aspects that we're able to earn out of our academics. And as Mr. Grant said, the most attractive feature about Downhouse is just the personal level in which we're able to know our teachers. Because I find that through the discussions, I'm able to challenge ideas challenge theories like the philosophical theories like natural law situation ethics and it's just really a comfortable environment to like talk to my teachers and just engage things that I wouldn't usually do on a normal daily aspect well I love the way you reference what Mr Grant has said in the past in fact yes let's ask him about that right now um Hugh there was Angela saying about the personal way that pupils know their teachers tell me a little bit about that I think it's it's very clear that relationships make a huge difference in the classroom. If the students trust the teacher in the classroom, they're much more willing to take risks. They're much more willing to go with them and explore the tangents that are out there. And by exploring those tangents, you can really bring the learning to life and make it a personal experience for the students. And we're really blessed here to have small class sizes, enabling us to to get down into the nitty gritty of what students find interesting. So tell me more then about this, because it's interesting, of course, we all know that different people have different ways of learning, but at the same time, mm-hmm. of course, different pupils have different academic abilities as well. How, how mm-hmm. can a teacher try to adapt the teaching to a whole class, given all of those different styles of preferred learning and different academic abilities? Ah, well, what you're talking about is, is what we would refer to as differentiation in the trade. Ooh. And by targeting the tasks you're setting students to do, you can get a task to fit with the ability range of the students. Now, ability range is, is often related to prior learning. So students are, are arriving with, with different levels of knowledge and a, a different willingness to engage with a task. And it's the teacher's job to, to build that relationship with the students such that they trust the teacher on taking on the task. Uh, learning is such a complex process. It's very difficult to, to pin down a definition for it. And my favorite definition is is learning is what happens when you have to think really hard. And in order to get our students to think really hard, they have to be prepared to to get out of their comfort zone. And if the teacher has the subject passion, the trust of the students and the ability to communicate that in in a variety of ways, the students are are much more likely to, to go with them on that journey. Tell me a little bit, Hugh, about the difference between learning a subject for the sake of the subject versus learning a subject in a way that helps you pass the exam, as in sort of just learning how to pass the exam? Yes, I think it's it's a sort of two-track system of thinking that we're trying to take our, our students on. We're hoping that by having passion for the subject and going on that curiosity journey, they will learn and pick up the skills in order to pass the exam. But sadly, the, the hoops that exam boards ask us to jump through don't always represent what would make, well, in my subject, a good biologist. And as a result, there are times when you have to sit down with your class and say, yes, we've explored this, and but this is how we have to express our views. And, and if you use the following bullet points, it doesn't make for a very exciting lesson at all times, but there's nothing cooler than overwhelming success. 
And when students see that they've got a, a, a great test score that's better than they've had previously, they really are prepared to go with you the next time around as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. Hugh, tell me about your role as deputy head uh, academic and how that helps to prepare pupils at Downhouse for the future, for after they leave school. Well, one of the things I'm looking at is is working with heads of department to make sure that we have a, a unified view so that students are Yes, they have a variety of teaching styles that are available to them, but we're using the research that, that Andy leads us on to make sure that we are at the cutting edge, but not looking at change for the sake of change. Um, there's been a professionalization in educational research over the last few decades, and I think a lot of a lot of the assumptions people were making as to what makes good learning, what makes good revision, have been shown to not necessarily be true. I remember when I was uh, on my PGCE, uh, we were being taught about kinesthetic, verbal and visual learners. And that isn't necessarily what the research is currently showing as accurate. And, and so it is important that we stay, we stay current in our, our understanding of, of learning as a process. Um, so part of my job is making sure that heads of department are up to date with that open to new ideas and not making assumptions that what worked for them when they were at school will work for our students. It's definitely not our job to teach last year's lessons to this year's students. Oh, I love the way you put that. I really do. And of course, you could understand why some people might think back to the way that they learned something and think that that's possibly the right way of learning it. But but equally, I, I imagine that if you work in a school, then, then then you are very much focused on what the right way is of teaching something. And therefore, you're <laughs> more uh, able to, to understand that, that possibly the way that it is done today is much better than it was in the past. However, for parents that are listening to this right now, it may well be that they don't work in education at all. They work in, in mm -hmm. a completely different field. They might find that quite hard to adjust their mindset to a different way of learning or teaching. How can you involve parents a little bit more to help them along that journey as well? I think it's really, really helpful here that we have such a one-to-one -one relationship with our students through the tutorial system. I, I have a tutor group with, with six students in. I meet with them once a week uh, for half an hour and we, we talk through what their learning experience has been. And as a result, the parents know that if if they have concerns about their, their daughter's needs being met, they know who to contact. And then I can communicate with, with teachers and heads of department to make sure that we are doing all that we can to support that student in their journey. No, I love that. That's a great answer. And as well as having that contact with the pupils yourself, you're also a teaching member of staff as well. Is that right? Yes, I have a, a delightful set of year 10s. Excellent. And Andy, are you, are you a teaching member of staff as well in your role? That's correct, Simon. Yes, I am. I teach year 10, year 11, year 12, year 13. Um, like you, all delightful as well. And tell me why you feel that's so important to still have that contact with the pupils in school when you're doing the role that you're doing there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it absolutely is. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I think it's important for me to be able to put into practice for things that I'm talking to colleagues about and to use myself as much as possible as an opportunity to explore new ideas, new techniques, and then to be able to report back to colleagues as to if they're working, if they're not working. Um, so I think maintaining an active involvement in teaching rather than just reading about it um, is absolutely crucial. And Andy, hearing uh, both the girls, Yasmin and Angela, talking about their experience being on the receiving end of learning, these interactive lessons, 
how does that make you feel in your role as director of learning and research? Yeah, no, abs- I mean, I, I agree. It is absolutely essential. And it's something that I know all our colleagues um, aim for because we all recognize it is it is important. Um, uh, our teaching and learning journal, The Inquiry, um, which I was putting um, together, as I mentioned earlier, just before um, joining the podcast, we each, um, in each issue, we ask a group of students what they enjoy about their own learning. I mean, this is a standing item right at the very beginning of the inquiry. And in pretty much every single issue, and indeed the one that I was looking at just a couple of hours ago, um, students report that they find that interactivity, that ability to dis- discuss, absolutely important. So I think it is, it is, yeah, absolutely crucial. Well, it's really good hearing about this, and in particular ab- about the, the next issue. Tell us when that's going to be out. Well, it should now that I've now that I've finished it and collated all the articles from our colleagues together. Um, it should be out within the next few weeks. Okay, all right. Well, it'd be exciting to read that for sure, or to to at least see it. That would be very good indeed. I'm keeping an eye on time, so we're going to need to bring this episode to a close. But Dr. Atherton, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for your time being here. Thank you very much, Simon. And Hugh, thank you for being here. It's great talking to you. Uh, it's been fascinating hearing about your role as deputy head academic here in school. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And Yasmin and Anjola, you're, you're both excellent at doing this, clearly. I'm sure you'll be back on another episode at some point in the future again. But both of you, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school's website, downhouse.net. And our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.